Welcome to the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast with me, Christine Cohen. Every week, we will share conversations with humans whose lives have been transformed by the power of movement on their mental health, break down the latest neuroscience, and hopefully inspire you to wake up your inner warrior to fight for the best versions of you every single day. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, Warrior. Welcome back to another episode of the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast. We are on day five, the final day of the How to Naturally Improve Your Mental Health workshop. And we are wrapping it up today with some of my favorite topics. The natural method we dive into first is how does exercise actually improve our mental health? Like, what is it about movement? that gives us that feel-good boost. Everyone thinks it's like, you know, uh, one brain chemical or another, but I'm actually going to share some really cool information with you about what's going on in the brain and body, why exercise is a legitimate antidepressant, even when they compare it to antidepressant medications, it actually outperforms. People do better when they follow an exercise program of like three to four times a week of doing some sort of movement for about 20 to 30 minutes um, for a matter of a few weeks, they start to feel a reduction in their symptoms. And even when they follow up with people a year later and they've continued with movement, they also are still in remission of depression, meaning they have not had a relapse. And the statistics, the percentages are pretty staggering. But I mean, I get it. Like a study doesn't necessarily relate to you and your experience. So I'm hoping that I can sort of expand your view and maybe give you some new personal motivators to shift how you look at movement, shift how you look at exercise. Through years, I looked at exercise as just this chore, this thing that I should do to change how my body looks. It was always about the physical, about weight loss, about looking fitter, about looking better. But when I really made the connection and I focused on the connection of, oh my gosh, every time I do move, I feel like myself. I feel like a favorite version of myself. It could be, I feel strong. It could be, I feel free. It could be, I just feel like euphoric and happy and loving. And I just want to I just want to share this and just, oh, like, you know how that feels. Maybe you don't have it, that feeling often, but think back to a time where it just, you were just like over, overwhelmed with this feeling of peace and happiness just because you moved your body. And if you've never had that feeling before, I want you to really listen and really take this in with an open mind and an open heart because there is so much more to movement than calories in, calories out. Like if that's all we're thinking about when we exercise or when we like are trying to start up a fitness program or something, we're missing the boat. And so using movement, and I say movement so that it's not like, you know, exercise, it's this programmed amount of time. It has to look like this. It has to be structured. It doesn't even just going outside for a walk or doing a stroll or riding your bike or dancing in your kitchen for freak's sake 
is something that can shift how you feel all the way down to your biochemistry. So you're going to hear me talk all about that today. And then we're also going to get into stress, how that affects our hormones. Oh my gosh, does it ever. Stress in our adrenals, our adrenals and our cortisol production, how it starts to disrupt our sleep cycles, how it plays with our mood and our mood and our anxiety and all that can shift, how the thyroid can start to dysfunction. And then of course, how our sex hormones can start to dysfunction. We lose, you know, our sex drive, our, for as women, we experience PMS, we experience disruptions in our menstrual cycle. We might have heavy periods, very painful periods, and how that's all connected to hormones, stress, and more. And we're going to give you some solutions as to how to start to balance all of this out naturally. It's a really great combo to end our day on. And of course, if you have not yet enrolled in Natural Solutions for Depression and Anxiety, you have a few more days to take advantage of the $1,000 off the full course, the full price of the program. And it is such an amazing value to dive into this. You have lifetime access to this program when you enroll. It's two group coaching calls a month with me. We talk in detail. I give you as much personalized attention and individualized programming as I can. And then, of course, you have all of these video modules Sorry, to just back up to learn more about what you can do to empower yourself to improving your own mental health and compounded, done consistently, these things make all the difference. It really does, you guys, and I'm excited, and I hope that you have seen that throughout this workshop this week and are ready to dive in and really invest in doing this for yourself. Reach out to me with any questions, of course. You can DM me on Instagram at christine.cohen or shoot me an email, christine at christinecohen.com, And I'm happy to talk it through with you to see if this is a good program for you. All right. Enjoy today's combo and I will see you inside the program. But before we dive into that conversation, if you are looking to naturally improve your mental health, you're going to want to check out my free workshop. The link is in the show notes below. And in this, we're going to learn all about how nutrition, gut health, lifestyle factors, hormone imbalances, nutrient imbalances, which are a huge, huge factor inside of this, and genetics plus more are underlying causes that are affecting our mental health. We're really going to be looking at the physiological causes, not the psychological life experience causes that so many of us attribute our mental health struggles to. But when we take a functional medicine perspective where we really look at the whole body and we understand, oh my gosh, like proteins are needed to make my brain chemicals and certain vitamins and minerals in the right amounts play a ginormous role in how I feel day to day. And so we're going to dive in and really help you understand what is affecting potentially the underlying issues in your body that are causing or contributing to these symptoms of poor mental health. And of course, what you can do about it. I, of course, will give you action steps um, and really take it step by step with you so you get a really good understanding of what is going on 
and how you can support yourself with this. As you know, my story, I healed myself naturally uh, from anxiety and depression. And from what I have learned, as well as working with dozens of people in helping them resolve their own anxiety, depression, whether it's just diagnosed and they're on medication or even just, you know, life stress that just feels like a lot and we're just fatigued and we're kind of just dragging ourselves along, not really feeling great, knowing we don't feel great, but our lab tests come back normal, even though, you know, we don't feel normal, but nothing seems to be wrong where a doctor can help. And often we're just met with Solutions that aren't really helpful, that aren't really solving what is going on underneath the surface. So I'm going to dive into that surface with you, below that surface with you, and really help you understand and um, give you the tools to empower yourself to do something about this. So go check out the link. You can watch the workshop instantly. It's called Six Steps to Naturally Improve Mental Health, and I know you're going to get a ton from it. All right, without further ado, let's dive into this conversation. Welcome back to day five. Welcome back to day five of this very, very, very amazing workshop that we have been doing this week, how to naturally improve your mental health. Thank you guys so much for just your time, and your engagement and your questions. I love it. I love to hear it. I love to see it. It's been such a pleasure to teach you this week, truly. I'm so grateful. It's, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how bringing together like the people that are just going to receive this the most that are meant to hear this really do, really do. And that's you for sure. And I can see just by your connection and by uh, your questions and just by your energy and presence. Um, just a few of you have really um, like just gone above and beyond. So I just want to thank you personally. You know who you are. And um, oh my gosh, no way. Amanda just said she signed up for the program. Yay, welcome. Uh, that's the natural, uh, sorry, the natural solutions for depression and anxiety program. Welcome, Amanda. Welcome, welcome. Um, so you, as you all know, the enrollment is open for the Natural Solutions for Depression and Anxiety program. You get lifetime access to this program, and it's a live, ongoing program. So it's not just like, you know, you are doing all this stuff on your own in a dark vacuum somewhere. This is you and me and our group who is going through, who is learning how to actually implement what we've been learning all week into your own individualized experience and life. Even though we may have all be struggling with our mental health on some level, the cause for that, the physiological root causes for that, it's all different. It's all slightly different. And it might come back to nutrient Im imbalances, but why are our nutrients imbalanced? Are we not eating them? Are we not digesting them? Are we not absorbing them? Is inflammation and stress kind of like hijacking them? Do we have genetic variants that are being turned on that are actually preventing us from properly using these nutrients to create our brain chemicals, to create our neurotransmitters, 
to, as you're going to learn today, plays a role in our stress response, plays a role in our thyroid, plays a role in our sex hormone creation, estrogen, progesterone, libido, all that stuff. And so it really is so, so, so powerful how much we can have an impact on this. And I'm really excited to tell you more about it. So just again, you will receive a $1,000 um, discount off the full price of the program when you sign up by um, in the next 24 hours. So on noon at noon on Saturday, March 5th is when the discount is no more. And so if you are interested, take advantage of this discount. It is like a massive value and uh, you, the price won't be this low again. It will only continue to go up because we're gonna be adding more and more stuff to this program. It is chock full of information. It is appropriately designed so that you don't get overwhelmed, so that you just focus on one thing at a time and you implement these changes. We all know change takes time. It takes time to change our habits. And I teach you the psychology of habits so that you understand how to best change your habits for the good, you know, so that you maintain them. Often I think we get more sucked into being good at trying to change. Like we are good at, for example, losing the weight, but we have really struggled with maintaining that lifestyle. And maybe we've gotten really good at like achieving goals, but we're not really good at maintaining the level that we've achieved. Do you know what I mean? So I don't want you to keep trying for the rest of your life to change your mental health, to improve your mental health. I want you to understand how to sustainably do it and then learn how to navigate your own body, your own, your own needs and learn to give yourself what you actually truly need. And sometimes that's like food nourishment and nutrient supplementation, right? And sometimes that's extra support for the physiological biology. And sometimes that's nourishment in the form of, I just need to rest. I really need to focus on rest. Sometimes that's nourishment in the form of connection, like true heartfelt connection. Sometimes that's nourishment in the form of what you are listening to, what you are taking in through your ears, um, who you are listening to. Are you just turning on the news every day or do you intentionally seek out something different, something different that's gonna challenge your perception, that's gonna challenge you to grow? Maybe that's an audiobook or a podcast or a workshop just like this. And so what type of nourishment is your body? asking you for? Is your soul asking you for? Is your mind asking you for? For some of us, we're just, you know, stuck in the same patterns and it is a, you know, sort of purpose drive um, that we need to focus on. So where do we fall inside of that? But I will always come back to the physiological because often we are just not supporting our body at the level that it needs to be supported. And so therefore, we're not going to feel motivated to go out and try something new. We might not have the resilience to take on a challenge that is, you know, in on our path in front of us. And so we need to support our, our body as much as we can throughout that, no matter what 
you know, intensity, what level your mental health is at, whether it's just the daily kind of struggle of stress or whether you are severely experiencing chronic depression, chronic anxiety, and more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So awesome. I know a few of you have already jumped in and taken advantage of the $1,000 discount. Um, and again, just a reminder, 24 hours from now, the price is going up. So reach out to me with any questions. Um, and as you all know, but I'll just remind you on Sunday, we are all doing a Q&A. Q&A. Time is still TBA. So make sure you fill out the poll. And I'll send the poll in the email just in case it's easier to do. Um, but I want to know what time works best for most of you so that we can really meet at a time where we can all show up um, live. And I want to be able to answer any questions you have about anything we talked about this week. Um, and you can, you know, be as personal with it as you need to. It's a safe space. It's not going to be recorded. And so it will be very private. All right, team. I know I'm calling you team already because I just feel like we've gone through so much together. So I'm super excited for our topic today, but of course we're gonna start it off with a dance party and this is one of my favorite, favorite songs. I feel like it's a warrior team, um, like uh, manifesto song, is that the right? It's not the right word. Because she says warrior in it. Has anyone seen The Greatest Showman? Oh, it's so good. I went to see it in Manhattan when I lived there, when it first came out by myself, hysterical crying, in the theater. The Thank God it was like not very many people in there. Whoa, why did it just say? Cause we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, you say, no one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us. Oh, we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a blood, going to drown them out. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me.
gonna send a bug, gonna drown a This is brave, this is bruised, this is who I'm meant to be. This is me. start their day off with an amazing dance party. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's see if it's going to cooperate. Good. Thank you. Freedom. Let yourself like get rid of the ego that's saying like, this is stupid. I'm so uncomfortable. And just let yourself be free with it. Just let who cares if you can't dance. It's not about having good dance moves. It's about letting yourself not care. It's about letting yourself not care about all the things, all the insecurities, separating your mind and getting into your body. We've learned so much that there's so much healing in our body. And if we try to control it all in just our mind, we are missing out from the wisdom of our heart, from the wisdom of our gut, and probably the wisdom of more things that we don't even know about yet. <laughs> Maybe that science will never understand. But it is so, so powerful. All right, I'm gonna wrap my hair up because I just can't touch it anymore. <laughs> okay, so today we're gonna talk about one of my favorite topics ever, and it's exercise. Who loves to move? What's your favorite, favorite type of movement? Throw some at me. Dancing, of course, hello, yes. <laughs> Yes, walking, cycling, outdoor cycling, or indoor cycling? Uh-huh, yep, okay. I used to do that, kickboxing, mm-hmm. Yoga, yes. Anyone just like to play outside, like garden? I mean, that all counts as movement. I like to use movement because we're talking about anything, any way that you move your body that feels good to you. And it doesn't have to be this like formal, when we use the word exercise or workout, it's like this, you know, very formal amount of time has to be 30 minutes long, has to be 60 minutes long, has to have sets and all this stuff. And sure, there is benefit to that. But when we're just talking about moving our body to improve how we feel, it can be anything that gets you there. So because exercise had such a powerful effect on my mental health, it really was and still is my antidepressant of choice. I wanted to understand, is it just, you know, what is it about exercise that actually helps us feel better? And does it truly have the power to like pull someone out of a major depressive disorder? Does, does exercise have that? It, for me, it felt like it. But I didn't know if it was just me or if it was just in you know my head or if I was imagining it or I was giving it more power than it actually had. So, of course, I turned to research. And really, only in the last 15 years 
have we started to understand, oh yeah, exercise is legit. Exercise, movement is actually an antidepressant. And I'm going to share a few reasons why. So let's answer some questions right off the bat, okay? So really great news. You don't have to do that much to get this effect. So about, let's say like 45 minutes of light exercise. So I'm talking like a walk. I'm talking especially outside because there's a whole other element of moving your body outside that just intensifies all this. But a walk, a light walk for about 45 minutes, um, something like gardening or just like playing in the yard, um, anything that you are moving, but it's not like physically taxing. You can even put yoga in this category or stretching, stuff like that, light stuff. Then when we talk about moderate exercise, we're talking like 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, moderate. So something that's, our heart rate's definitely up. We're breathing heavier, but we can still have a conversation. We are not like doubled over in uncomfortable pain. It's moderate. So for an example for this could be like a warrior workout. It could be a very, depending on your level, like a very light jog. It could be um, dancing. It could be your favorite, you know, workout video. It could be, again, how, depending on how intensely you play with your kids or your dog, it could be something like that. So, um, you know, doing yard work, it, that could be moderate activity. And then vigorous activity. So something that is really, you know, getting your heart rate up. You are, you know, maybe doubled over, breathing really heavy. Conversations are like, absolutely not. This would be like sprinting or maybe even jumping rope really intensely. Jump rope could fall into any of those categories. It kind of depends on how intensely you're doing it. Um, what else? And so length of time for that, 10 to 15 minutes. Even five minutes of nonstop vigorous activity is enough to start to get some of this going. In uh, some research, it's been shown that exercising three times a week for six weeks increases neural connections among areas of the brain that calm anxiety and reduce <clears throat> depression. Who knows what neuroplasticity is? Neuroplasticity, brain plasticity, the ability of the brain to actually change. And we refer to neuroplasticity when it comes to new neurons being able to grow. Parts of the brain being able to actually physically enlarge. In certain studies, they have shown that there are parts of the brain in depressed people that are actually physically smaller, like they have shrunken, they have shrank, shrunk. You know what I mean? And it's the parts of the brain that are regulating mood. It's parts of the brain that are regulating our decision-making. And part, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the parts of the brain that enlarge are the fear-based parts of the brain. It also decreases connections between parts of the brain. So like the firing is not happening in certain parts of the brain that are beneficial to us in learning new things, in making new memories, in our ability to remember things that are actually good, that actually help us feel good and wiring those new memories into our brain. 
So exercise actually helps all of that. It helps all of that by um, basically producing certain factors, certain brain chemicals that help, like they're called miracle grow for the brain because it actually helps neurons grow, new neurons to grow, and areas of the brain to start to enlarge again. So even if those areas have shrank, the brain has the ability to sort of like regenerate itself, which is incredible, especially because we didn't know that that was even possible a few years ago. Another really, really cool factor about exercise, so, is um, how much you need to do it for. So in one bout of exercise, so like one movement session has the power to shift how you feel. It has the power to lighten the feeling of heaviness. It has the power to relieve stress and anxiety. Just one exercise session, one movement session, which is awesome, but that effect will last a short bit. Like in my personal example, when I felt so much better after that yoga class, but it really only lasted a few hours, and the next day I woke up back where I was. Sure, it might only last a few hours the first time, but it's really when we do it consistently where that effect starts to build on itself and starts to compound. And so every time you move your body, you're actually like, okay, so we can use this in, in the like investment terms. So instead of just putting stuff in a checking account, right, where it's just kind of going out right away, you're putting it in an invested account. And so every time you add a little bit, it's actually compounding and adding more and more and more. So the feeling that you get post-movement doesn't just go away in a few hours anymore. It actually continues to last because your body has now, like you're rewiring your brain, you're rewiring those pathways and making new pathways. And those brain chemicals are actually um, being produced more frequently, more regularly. And something that's really cool is, so we don't just produce brain chemicals and then they just go wherever they go. Um, we actually have receptors for these brain chemicals in the neurons of our brain. So we have ones that actually receive the brain chemicals. So we don't just produce serotonin and dopamine and they just go everywhere. They actually have to land on certain, on certain receptors. So a really cool thing about exercise is it helps us produce more receptors. So more mitts to catch more balls up here, essentially. Um, one, so let's talk about some of those brain chemicals that get produced every time we move. Okay, so this is really, really cool. Did you know that the brain chemicals that exercise releases in our body are not only the same brain chemicals that antidepressants are designed to impact, but exercise actually does it better. It releases more and different types of chemicals that help us with our overall feeling of feeling good. We talked the other day about a few brain chemicals that get like disrupted um, in for whatever reasons. Um, those root causes can be many, as we have learned. Serotonin, dopamine, GABA, noradrenaline, um, or norepinephrine, 
all of these become more regulated. So exercise actually boosts serotonin and dopamine, and it also increases GABA. So we get a really feeling well-being uh, feeling. We feel like we accomplished something, like we feel this reward, like even this intrinsic reward of I did it, like I said I would do it and I did it. That's dopamine release. We also feel calm, right? We also have this feeling of just like a good, sustained, calming energy. That's a combination of GABA, and it can also be a potential combination of endocannabinoids that we release in the brain. So endocannabinoids are not neurotransmitters, but they are another type of molecule. And if the word endocannabinoid sounds familiar, that's because cannabis, weed, marijuana, actually is an exocannabinoid, meaning that it provides the same chemical but from an outside source that lands on our endocannabinoid receptors and gives us a feeling of ease, right? Like peace, just like totally chill. <laughs> so if you have ever had a like post-exercise, just high, like pleasure, where you can just feel like the ability to take in more joy, more social pleasure, more ability to like even bond with other people, like actually connect with another human. Often this is even more um, emphasized when we move in groups, when we move with other people, like we're taking a movement class, like an exercise class or a yoga class, or if you dance with somebody and all of a sudden you're like creating this bond and you just feel connected to them. I experienced this also in martial arts, when in jujitsu and in um, uh, Muay Thai, because you're, you're in like sparring with somebody or you're in practice with somebody and you're creating this connection. That is our internal, our own body's production of endocannabinoids, um, which gives us this just this feeling of closeness, compassionate um, companionship with others. And so these, this is again another positive brain chemical that the body produces when we move our body. This reduces anxiety. This gives us a state of contentment. It also helps increase dopamine in our brain, making us feel just more optimistic, feeling more like we have achieved something, have this reward. Movement is so powerful that even in lab experiments, it's been shown to make people immune to panic attacks when they induce panic attacks with a special drug that triggers severe anxiety and physical symptoms like a racing heart and breathlessness. So the effect of exercising for 30 minutes before being exposed to this drug is equivalent to is, is like taking a benzodiazepine. So like an anti-anxiety drug, benzodiazepines are serious drugs should not be played around with, very, very addictive, life-altering, terrible, terrible, terrible withdrawal, so difficult to get off of if you are on it, really, for longer than two weeks, not exaggerating, so dangerous. But they're saying that the effect of exercise for 30 minutes before being exposed to this drug 
CCK4. Um, that's the one that induces the anxiety and racing heart and stuff is equivalent to taking um, something like Ativan, but without those sedating side effects, obviously without the withdrawal symptoms. So physical activity can counteract anxiety, even when anxiety has literally been injected into your bloodstream. So for anyone that suffers from panic attacks, even though a panic attack experience feels like uh, like similar to when you are very much out of breath when you're exercising and like your heart is racing and all of that, giving yourself exposure to small doses of exercise actually can help your body come out of that wired panic attack state. So that's one way of actually helping yourself overcome panic attacks. There are other ways to help as well um, on the physiological level. All right, um, what else, what else, what else? So like I was saying, exercise regulates all of the neurotransmitters that are targeted by antidepressants. Exercise immediately elevates our norepinephrine in certain areas of the brain, which wakes up the brain, gets it going, and actually improves our feeling of self-esteem. It's going to boost dopamine, which improves mood and feelings of wellness and kind of jumpstart your attention system, our ability to focus. So you heard me saying, oh, it's great that we're dancing before taking in all this information because it actually is going to help you learn and retain this information better. This is what I'm talking about because in part, some of these brain chemicals are actually responsible for us making new memories and then like transporting, transferring them into where we store those new memories for good. Chronic exercise increases our dopamine storage in the brain and triggers production of enzymes that create dopamine receptors in the reward center of the brain, giving a feeling of satisfaction when we accomplish something. The overall effect is a more stable regulation of these pathways, um, which is so valuable for everything, everything in our life, right? Dopamine is a big, big um, driver in, do, in us doing things and us feeling good about doing things, about that feeling of motivation. This is one way that you can kind of purposely hack your biochemistry and really get that going again. So what type of movement do you need to do? Anything. Anything that you can do consistently is where it's where it starts, where it starts and really where it continues. Because if you're doing something that you dislike and that every time you think about doing it, you hate, you're actually losing out. You're actually going to have less of this dopamine effect than if you were to do something that you just really enjoyed, that you brought you life, that you enjoyed the process of. Often people just associate exercise with weight loss or changing their exterior. I challenge you to tap into a motivation, a personal reason for using movement to change how you feel, to improve your mental health. For me, my choice of exercising or not that day became like really, I want to use the word like intense because it was basically me choosing life or choosing my zombie depression existence of nothingness. And so when I put, oh my gosh, like exercise is my antidepressant. It is my drug. Like I need this to feel anything close to myself. 
it had it just gained so much more meaning. Of course, I was going to move my schedule around. I was going to prioritize it. If I wanted to feel like myself again, I wanted to not feel anxiety and depression. And for sure, that was a motivator for a long time. And it really, really changed how I got myself to move, um, how I perceived what movement meant to me. And I have never looked back since it's taken on a whole new um, motivation. I don't work out for physical anything. It might be a bonus. It might be a cherry on top of the delicious chocolate sundae. But it is never my reason that motivates me to get up out of bed when it's really freaking cold, when the weather is nasty, go to the gym or film a warrior workout or jump rope. It is never that. It is always, this is going to make me feel so good. Or I love doing this. This feels so fun to do. I, this feels so good to do. So challenge yourself to finding your, your thing. All right, let, and I know, let's see if any comments, any questions on that. Yes, yes. You love to skateboard? That's awesome. Soccer? Yes. So good, so good, so good. Keep it up. Yet you feel so great after you move your body. I get it. Mm -hmm. It just totally changes how you feel through the day. Agreed. All right, team, we are going to jump into our discussion today. I'm going to share my screen. All right, can everybody see that? Good. All right, so day five. Today we are diving into stress, cortisol, and our adrenals. We are going to talk about thyroid dysfunction and mental health and why often it's misdiagnosed or missed completely um, and people are just given antidepressants and why your mental health changes a couple weeks before your period and how to improve this. So if anyone struggles with PMS or PMDD, definitely going to want to listen. How common is hormone imbalance? So according to the, um, in the U.S., one out of every 10 people in the U.S. have thyroid conditions, including the autoimmune-driven condition, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And according to the American Thyroid Association, up to 60% of people with thyroid conditions may not know it. We're going to talk about how thyroid, underactive thyroid goes missed, gets missed because of the labs not being read appropriately and because certain labs are not ordered. And so we miss the diagnosis. Um, and I will show you exactly the labs that you need to know and the numbers you need to look for. 40% of premenopausal women have sexual dysfunction a problem occurring during any phase of the sexual response cycle that prevents the individual or couple from experiencing satisfaction from sexual activity. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. 10 to 15% of women of reproductive age have endometriosis. And women with chronic pelvic pain, 70% have endometriosis, something that also gets misdiagnosed for years and years and years, and women just continue to go on and on with pain. 
20 to 25 percent of women experience signs and symptoms of PMS. It's actually more than that. And 5% experience PMDD, which is like PMS times a thousand. And again, it usually is more than that. We're going to talk about stress and our adrenal function first and the amount of people with dysregulated cortisol levels, aka dysregulated stress response, is probably like one in two people. I don't have the statistic for it, but based on what I see, based on what I know is going on in the world, it's one in two people. So how do you know if your adrenals are trying to get your attention? Well, here are some signs and symptoms. So you might have fatigue in the morning, like first thing when you wake up, it just feels like you're never rested no matter how much sleep you get. It feels like a truck hit you and it takes you hours or maybe just like, you know, an hour or more to wake up, to just feel like rested if you ever even get there. Or you can have like in the later part of the day, a crash, just a hard crash around 2, 3 p.m., in the evening, you might feel wired but tired. You might feel like you have all this energy and it's keeping you up. You can't fall asleep, but you are so tired. You're like, how can these two things mutually exist? You would experience stress or anxiety in a manifestation of ways. You might have sugar or salt cravings, low blood sugar or low blood pressure, muscle aches, joint pain. You may be more sensitive to chemicals like perfumes and odors and stuff like that. Your immune system is going to be weak. When you're in chronic stress, your immune system is turned down. Weakened immunity, you get sick more. It's harder to get over colds. Maybe you like have chronic sinus stuff going on. Um, it's harder for your body to recover. So maybe you have an injury and it's just not getting better. It's just taking months. Chronic infection, hives, reactions to bug bites, more allergies, more asthma, eczema, brain fog, impaired memory, and of course, depression, and just extreme fatigue as well. So there's actually different phases of what I would call adrenal dysfunction. People use the term adrenal fatigue as kind of just like, I don't know, a colloquial, I don't even know if that's the right word to describe it, but it's, the adrenals do not just like stop working. That doesn't, it's not what happens. Um, so that's why I would call it adrenal dysfunction instead. So there are different phases on the like level one phase A. Most people feel exhausted after a full day's work. In this, not all your organs are dysfunctional to the same degree and at the same time. So the organ system that's the weakest is the first one to kind of um, feel the effects, to have symptoms, while other organ systems kind of feel intact. So this might be like you feel more tired than usual. Maybe you have a little bit of gut health disruption. Maybe you're feeling like a lower libido. Maybe your body's not having an easy time losing weight, stuff like that. If we don't address it, it's going to go down to the next level. It's going to get even worse. So this is where our... Um, ovarian, adrenal, and thyroid axis in women start to become affected. So our ovaries, our adrenals, which produce our cortisol, stress hormone, our thyroid, which pretty much dictates our metabolism, um, are going to start to be imbalanced in women. And for men, 
the adrenal thyroid access is start to become imbalanced. This adverse feedback loop just creates a vicious cycle of cascading dysfunction. And so things really start to go awry here. But we may not, we still may not be listening to the cues our body's giving us. We may feel more tired. We may not recover well. We may feel like crap in the morning. We may feel wired and tired. But we may not, if we don't do anything about it, we're going to go into phase C, which is where the body becomes severely compromised in trying to maintain just fine, you know, fine controls of keeping our body in balance. But our functioning is usually less than 12 hours a day, and adrenal crash is a frequent event. So this is may, where you may just have a total energy crash, you know, sometime during the day or you just can't wake up in the morning. You are just really, really, really like struggling through. Maybe you're grabbing coffee to just kind of like force yourself through it. Um, again, continuing to cover it up, cover it up. This is when cortisol still might have some high peaks, but it is gonna have some crashes. And then in the last phase, near failure, the body continues to downregulate the amount of cortisol needed in order to preserve what's on hand for the most essential body functions. So the adrenals are in a state of like constant crash. So in this individual, their cortisol levels would be kind of like flatlined all day long and they would feel exhausted all day long no matter what they do. No matter how much sleep they get, they can never seem to really like get on top of the ball. So you can see how this happens, and this doesn't take long, especially in our day and age. This can happen within a matter of months. What am I talking about when I talk about adrenal um, cortisol levels? So ideally, I thought I had a different chart. Ideally, our cortisol is actually highest in the morning because as I said earlier this week, cortisol is the hormone that wakes us up. So it peaks, it spikes in the morning. Um, it's its highest in the morning, and it actually reaches its highest, highest point about 30 minutes after we wake up. So if it wakes us up at 6, cortisol will reach its peak at 6.30, which kind of explains like you might wake up and feel I'm alert, but then you don't feel awake for like another 20 minutes or so. And that kind of explains that when you feel awake, and you're like, I'm here, I'm ready for the day, let's go. You know your cortisol has hit its highest level of the day. And then cortisol gradually comes down throughout the day and it's at its lowest in the evening when we're going to bed because when cortisol is low, melatonin is nice and high and then we can fall asleep. This is a snapshot of actually one of my clients who has dysregulated cortisol. She is very, very, very high stress functioning, just going, going, going all the time. And she has a hard crash every single day, every single night. Um, and she is not able to lose weight. She has um, some OCD stuff going on. She, um, you know, drinks coffee all day long. Her thyroid has become imbalanced and her estrogen and progesterone are also imbalanced. So you can see she has very, very low cortisol on waking up and then it spikes really high, too high almost, about 30 minutes after and then she drops fast and she drops hard and she is low for the rest of the day. So this is done through saliva. 
So you actually spit into a tube um, four to five times a day, depending on the test that you take. And then you're able to get your salivary cortisol levels and see what is actually going on. And then we can take some supplements and make some lifestyle adjustments from there. So we all are familiar with this chart because we saw it earlier this week. So the vagus nerve, um, as we know, regulates our nervous system. So when we are in that dysregulated adrenal cortisol is high, like going, 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 high stress, we're in fight or flight. That's chronic stress. We're living there all day, all day, all day. We maybe rarely ever get into safety mode. And even if we do drop into safety mode, we're not there for very long. We're mostly here. When your cortisol and your adrenals really become low and your body is just trying to conserve as much energy as possible, you become here. This is why when your adrenals really start to overwork and your cortisol flatlines, you feel depressed. You feel zero energy. You feel shut down. You feel just like you cannot, you're burnt out. Here are some cortisol patterns to see where you fit. So this is our healthy pattern where it goes up, spikes, and upon waking up, and then it's gonna gradually go down. This is an adrenal fatigue pattern where it's very low upon waking up. We feel like crap, we feel like we can't wake up, and then it's gonna rise throughout the day, and maybe we feel the most energized or the most like we get a second wind at the end of the day, and then we can't fall asleep. That's a dysregulated cortisol pattern. And then this is the extreme fatigue right here where it's just a flat line, low all day long, and you just can't get any energy. So our stress response system is all connected, right? Our brain talks to our adrenals, but this is also going to affect how we breathe, our ability to take nice deep breaths, our ability to, um, that's why people can experience more like asthma, have decreased immune system. Our liver is going to convert more blood sugar. And so this is another reason why you can have blood sugar imbalances and put on more weight in your midsection when cortisol is high and dysregulated. You're gonna have more adrenaline coursing through your system at all times. So you will feel like this in this just like hyper anxiety, fast stress state your blood pressure is gonna be higher, and your digestive system is going to be decreased. And so you might have issues digesting things. You may not digest things well because that area of your body has been kind of like turned down um, because it's not prioritizing um, to dig your digestion. And again, here are just some other symptoms of adrenal dysfunction. So fatigue, energy crashes, depression, anxiety, poor sleep, lightheadedness, frequent lengthy infections, hair loss, reliance on caffeine, dark color under the eyes. Every time I see someone with dark, just dark marks, dark circles, I'm like, oh wow, cortisol dysfunction. I know it immediately. Brain fog, joint pain, weight gain, cannot get weight off, car craving carbs, craving salts, all of these. And so we'll talk about some solutions to help support your adrenals and that can come in the form of nutrients 
that can come in the form of adaptogenic herbs and vitamins, but a lot of it is lifestyle management because we got to remove the stress. We have to remove the stuff that is stressing us out or at least better learn to mitigate it. All right, so how many of us do, have we, I've lived there before. That was one of the main causes of my depression and anxiety actually. I learned that in hindsight, of course. But how many of us have lived here? How many of us are here now? Mm-hmm. Explained so much. I feel like I am being validated in how I feel and it's not all in my head. Uh-huh. Good. All right, low thyroid energy and depression. So the way the body works is amazing because it's all connected. So usually, um, when we are experiencing stress of any sort, the adrenals are going to start to compensate for that first. But if we don't address it and help ourselves, then other organ systems are going to start to dysfunction. The second one that starts to go awry is our thyroid. Our thyroid is here at the base of our neck. It's a little butterfly-shaped thing. <laughs> right here. And so it is powerful, even though it's small. So it actually plays a huge role in uh, our metabolism, basically the functioning of the systems of our body. And so here are some effects on the body that having a low thyroid can feel like. Hair loss, feeling cold all the time, um, having fatigue, mood, or memory changes. So you're going to feel more tired when you have low thyroid. Your mood is going to be depressed. Your heart rate's going to slow. You're going to experience high cholesterol, maybe constipation, weight gain, dry skin, dry nails, uh, dry hair, menstrual changes, and you'll feel more sore muscles and joints and stuff like that. So if that sounds familiar, definitely keep listening. So this is a, a lot on this chart, but the thing that I wanted you to take away from this is that there are many things that can impact if our thyroid is functioning or not, um, from not getting essential nutrients to help the thyroid function, um, to infections and inflammation, to you know other things going awry like liver issues or gut issues. Being on a very low calorie diet will cause the thyroid to start to slow down function because their body's trying to stay alive. Medications can cause this, not getting enough sleep, stress of course, toxins that we are exposed to and not really clearing out of our body, and, and trauma as well, physical and psychological trauma. And so our thyroid produces hormones to send messages to what we need to do, and it's going to start to decrease certain hormones. It's going to start to decrease... Um, hormones of the brain talking to the thyroid and then actual like the active form of our thyroid hormone that goes about and tells other things what to do and so eventually we can actually um, either like have resistance to our thyroid hormone or we're not producing enough thyroid hormone or the form of thyroid that's being produced is inactive and therefore it's just kind of like building up and just sitting on the couch. It's like the lazy form of our thyroid hormone. And so there's a few different things that could be happening to make our thyroid slow down. 
Now, I definitely want you to take a look at this chart and even screenshot it because it's going to tell us exactly what nutrients are needed for the thyroid to do what it needs to do. So for instance, for the thyroid to function properly, it needs enough iron, iodine, tyrosine, which we all know now is an amino acid, the one that helps produce dopamine. It needs zinc, it needs selenium, it needs vitamin E and vitamins B2, B3, B6, as well as vitamin C and vitamin D. That's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that if we're not getting, thyroid is not going to properly function. It also needs extra selenium and zinc for part two, and it needs vitamin A, it needs um, movement, because it improves the sensitivity to the thyroid hormones. Remember we talked about like reception, the ability to receive um, the message? Well, we can actually have more receptors on our cell that receive the thyroid hormone and therefore have it be more, like have it actually do its job. And that requires vitamin A, exercise, and zinc. So this is a great chart because it's also gonna say the factors that inhibit proper thyroid function. And so you can have that list there, but it's nothing new. It's really nothing new. We've touched on all of these this week at some level. So if you are having an underactive thyroid, even if you are on medication, you can increase the nutrients that you're taking here, and that's going to support your thyroid functioning better. But you don't just want to adjust the thyroid. You want to see what else is causing the thyroid at the root to dysfunction. Is it the adrenals and stress? Is it something else? And that's something that I can help you figure out. Now I talked to you about lab testing and this chart should look familiar because we know now that conventional medicine looks at a very wide range because they're looking to diagnose stuff, right? So we don't wanna wait until we're in like a pathologically diseased low state or high state that could be already damaging our body. We're already feeling terrible symptoms because we're already there. We want to notice this before we get anywhere close to that and look to be in an optimal range. So when we look at our lab, our labs for thyroid, we want to make sure our doctor or our practitioner is ordering all of these. Often they just order the first one, TSH. And then they look at that and they say, oh, it's fine, you're good. Or they look at that and they're like, oh, it's low. So we need to put you on thyroid medication. But that doesn't tell at all the whole story. We still don't know why the thyroid's misfunctioning and we don't even know what's happening to the active thyroid stuff. So we look at other tests. We look at free T3, free T4. We look at reverse T3. And we look at thyroid antibodies because if we have any thyroid antibodies, we know that we have Hashimoto's autoimmune thyroid dysfunction, and that could be caused by gut symptoms. That could be caused by gluten intolerance. So we get a lot more information into discovering the root cause and also how to treat. So it's much, much better. Um, this is a like non-negotiable whenever I think someone's thyroid might be dysfunctioning. Now I've already made the connection for you that when the adrenals start to dysfunction, the thyroid starts to dysfunction. And this graphic just shows where that happens. So essentially when we produce more cortisol because our adrenals are overproducing it, 
We are not going to be producing our sex hormones, so say goodbye to your libido, say hello to heavy PMS and heavy periods, and just feeling like crap around that time of the month, and also say bye-bye to your active form of thyroid. So it's all connected, and it's all um, going to start to cascade down more and more if you don't address it. I'm going to take a sip, and then we are going to dive into those sex hormones. Who here has PMS? <laughs> We've gotten really personal this week. Who has experienced PMS? Probably all of us on some level. I have had worse PMS in the past and then I've had better PMS. Um, it kind of has varied throughout my life. But I would say, of course, now it's always been all right. Like I've never had terrible, terrible, terrible um, PMS or even pain during period. And it's the best it's ever been. I barely even notice that uh, my period's coming. But for some of us, it's debilitating and it's painful and we need to take off of work and we turn into a monster and some of us have gone on birth control because of it. But PMS is not normal. It might be really common, but it is not normal to have. So let's talk about ways to naturally alleviate it and what is actually at the root of it. Because as we all know, this definitely affects our mental health. So really at the root of PMS is an imbalance in our estrogen and progesterone. They are our female sex hormones. Yay. <laughs> and when we experience imbalance of these, we're going to have irregular heavy periods. We're going to have a lot more bloating around PMS, breast swelling and tenderness. So we all know how lovely that is headaches, migraines, weight gain during this time, mood swings, hair loss, painful periods, just being super irritable and snappy and just nasty, feeling more anxious or depressed. Maybe you have more negative thoughts. Maybe you just feel so out of yourself, sleep disturbances, and a low sex drive during this time. So PMS usually happens about a week before our period. And um, the more extreme version of PMS is called PMDD, premenstrual dysphoria disorder. It's just more severe, more frequent, and lasts longer. So here are some differences. So PMS, I kind of labeled, uh, named already some of those symptoms. So we'll, let's talk about PMDD for a hot second. So not only would you experience those similar symptoms of PMS, but you might have bouts of rage, more joint pain and muscle pain. You might have hot flashes, extreme fatigue, appetite changes, hard to concentrate, very, very hopeless, depressed, even suicidal thoughts, and decreased interest in unusual activity or usual activities, sorry. And you might experience this for two to three weeks before your period. So essentially the entire month you could be experiencing PMDD and it can really interfere with your life. You might have to call out from work or school. Maybe it's interfering with your relationships. So the last two weeks, um, or I should say the weeks, the two weeks before you get your period is called the, the, the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle. Okay, so the last two weeks, the two weeks before your period is called the luteal phase. And in this phase, estrogen and progesterone, if you're not pregnant, um, are supposed to 
look like this. So as you can see, we have the first half of our period of, of our menstrual cycle here. Then we ovulate around day 14, about halfway in, and then we enter the luteal phase, which is two weeks before we bleed. And that's about day 15 to 28. So what's supposed to happen is estrogen should drop around week three and have a slight rise around week four. Progesterone should rise and be higher than estrogen in that time. And testosterone kind of, you know, stays, you know, low where it's supposed to be. Testosterone only really rises for us um, during ovulation. But the key here is that progesterone is higher than estrogen. But what happens is there's a hormone imbalance. And usually what is happening is that there's a higher amount of estrogen relative to progesterone. So instead it looks like this. Estrogen doesn't come down enough. It stays too high and progesterone goes way too low. So this is what is the cause of our PMS symptoms and even severe PMDD because that's going to start to affect our serotonin levels as well. Now we can do something about this. We can help our bodies, estrogen and progesterone, come back into balance. This can be called estrogen dominance as well. So what causes estrogen dominance or low progesterone, the root cause behind PMS? This is not going to be new information. It's all the same that we've been learning all week. Diets rich with sugar and refined processed carbs, processed food, um, non-organic meat and dairy that has lots of additional hormones that are just in the meat itself because the meat is fed hormones that we are then ingesting. Same thing with dairy. Eating foods low in fiber, low in vegetables, low in healthy fats. We need good fats for our production of our sex hormones, of our hormones, you guys. It's vital, vital, vital. Constipation. We know that we're not um, excreting the excess estrogen in our body. We're supposed to poop it out. And if we're constipated, that estrogen is just getting recycled in our system. So therefore keeping our estrogen high. Stress, like everything, is gonna throw everything off. Environmental chemicals that disrupt our hormones, like pollutants, um, xenoestrogens, and like BPAs. So xenoestrogens are basically like estrogen mimickers. The body thinks it's real estrogen and it like goes about the body as if it was, but it does not. Um, it does not act the same way as true estrogen does. It's like a false estrogen, but it raises our estrogen levels and wreaks all sorts of havoc. So a big, a great easy way to remove xenoestrogens from your life experience is to stop using plastic is to transfer everything over to glass or stainless steel when it comes to your water bottles, when it comes to your food storage containers, um, and really try to stay away from plastic. Don't touch receipts, like don't handle receipts. There are BPAs that are in the actual like, uh, you know, like receipts to make it feel like how it does. I don't know how it, the chemicals on the actual surface of the receipts. So all of that, is touching your skin, is getting into your body and disrupting your hormones. And then of course, not exercising is also gonna throw off your hormone balance. 
So what is happening downstream? We experience estrogen dominance, right? But what does that actually feel like? So it causes low serotonin levels, which as we know now, racing thoughts, anxiety, low mood. This is why taking tryptophan can actually help during the last, um, during the two weeks before your period because it can help raise serotonin levels and help mitigate this. But again, it's not addressing the root cause. It can just help give you some relief. Um, it's going to decrease your endorphin levels. As we know, endorphins are like our pain numbers. And they, when we exercise, we get a boost of endorphins. We know that feels really good. But when we have low endorphins, we feel more sensitive to physical, emotional, and mental pain. So for some people, taking the amino acid DPA can help as well. It's going to inhibit GABA production, so we're going to feel more physically tense, more physical anxiety, muscle stiffness, um, maybe even like digestive disorder uh, disruptions like constipation. It's going to increase adrenaline and noradrenaline, so again, stress chemicals. It's going to decrease dopamine, which is going to make us feel low motivation, low drive, low energy to focus or concentrate. Decreased dopamine also increases prolactin, which causes breast tenderness, which explains that. And then it's going to dysregulate aldosterone, which will cause more bloating. So as you can see, estrogen dominance is not nice. It's not pretty. It's not fun. But it explains a lot, doesn't it? It, it certainly does. This is Jessica, and she was having... Just debilitating fatigue, depression, anxiety, sleeplessness, severe sugar cravings. Sound familiar? And it taken a toll over her on her over the last seven years. But they were really at an all-time high. Um, her sex drive was gone and her periods were just getting heavier and heavier. And it was disrupting more and more of her life. And so... She didn't want to be at the mercy of her sugar cravings anymore. She didn't want to be at the mercy of her period, like dictating the fact that she could go anywhere or do anything. She didn't want to have to rely on two to three cups of coffee just to get through the day. Um, or, you know, just kind of pull herself out of hangovers and stuff like that from the weekends of hanging out with her social life. So her doctor, as an effort to fix the low mood, put her on an antidepressant, um, a sleep medication, and birth control, and recommended she started exercising to lose weight. So it's unfortunate because there are so many things that were contributing to her symptoms that could have been addressed naturally. Her sugar intake, her alcohol intake, her stress levels, her blood sugar imbalances, the excess weight, the inflammation were all driving her estrogen levels way up. And of course, she was estrogen dominant. So we did make some changes. And um, sorry, I thought I had a third slide. So we did make some changes and she responded beautifully. Um, we added some herbs and some other nutrient support to help um, get her estrogen levels down, basically to help her body process estrogen metabolism better. We also supported her liver because if your liver is not properly functioning, you're not going to be detoxifying the excess estrogen that you're holding on to. So the changes were simple, but it doesn't take much for the body to regulate itself. So within one cycle, her PMS symptoms were cut in half. Her cramps were barely noticeable. By the second cycle, her weight was coming down. 
By the third cycle, she was feeling more like herself, no depression, um, her energy levels were back to normal, her anxiety was better, she was sleeping through the night just from making these changes. So how do you relieve PMS through nutrition and lifestyle? We need to focus on nutrition that is anti-inflammatory. You already know how to do that. Heal your gut. We spoke about that the other day. Support your liver. This is something that I can support you with and tell you exactly what to do if it's necessary. Focus on nutrient-dense foods, organic proteins, healthy fats. Get them in, get them in. You know now how vital they are to the proper functioning of your hormones, of your brain chemicals, moving your body. Just another reason to move your body. <laughs> Improve and support your sleep. How do we do that? Can vary from person to person, but getting good quality sleep is vital. Um, we can do this through like taking some extra supplements that might support your body's ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. I'm not talking about melatonin. I'm talking about um, magnesium. L-tryptophan can do this, can support. When we balance out your adrenal support, you will be sleeping better. Um, so a lot of things on that level. Avoid estrogen mimickers. So again, removing the plastic and avoiding the receipts. Manage your stress levels. And then I wanted to do a separate slide that's going to really um, kind of talk out all the supplements that can support your hormone balance. And not everyone needs to take all of these. No one really needs to do all of these, but depending on what you need, you may use a combination of some of these that can help you get back into balance. So I already mentioned magnesium. You wanna look for magnesium glycinate. It can support menstrual cramps and headaches as well as sleeping better, as well as mood. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals that we consume. It's involved in about 300 different reactions in your body and yet it is deficient in the majority of us. Chased berry can help reduce breast tenderness, bloating, depression, and irritability. It can help balance out those estrogen levels. Calcium D-glucurate, DIM, GABA and L-theanine can help those physical forms of anxiety and help you feel calm. L-tryptophan, which can support your serotonin levels. L-tyrosine, which can support your dopamine levels, which we spoke about go down in um, PMS. B vitamins, probiotics for gut support, omega-3 fish oil for inflammation, anti-inflammation, and um, hormone support from good fats, and then of course supporting your adrenals where we can use different adaptogens depending on what you need to help them um, come back into function and kind of give them some support as you are managing and learning to mitigate and remove the life stress and the other forms of stress that are just impacting your body negatively. Whew, okay, sorry for the confusion on the last slide, but that is a wrap on day five. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Who is getting value from this talk about PMS, this talk about stress? Is this making sense? Is this connecting? Good. Yes, I'm seeing a lot of yeses. I'm seeing a lot of thumbs ups. I'm curious, have you tried any of the things that we've spoken about this week? Is this completely new information? Is this familiar on some level? Completely new, never knew about this, didn't know I could 
impact my mental health this much naturally, didn't know there was this much body connection to my mental health. Got it. Mm -hmm. Who feels like they learned a lot this week? Yes, yes, yes. Who feels like they want to learn more? <laughs> Good. Who feels like they um, would like to have guidance in learning this, like in really applying this? Having a professional would be more, would help me more. Yep, yeah, I understand. Having somebody figure out what to do exactly tell me what to do and so I don't have to figure out the steps of my own got it it would relieve me from the fatigue I'm already fatigued I see you're saying you're already really low in energy and just kind of like figuring it out would feel overwhelming so having somebody give you the steps to do would be really beneficial awesome 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 okay good so that's why I wanted to again share all about the program all about the five um all about the naturally natural solutions for depression and anxiety program what we do in this program which you would have lifetime access to when you enroll because it's constantly being updated and as i said this is a live program we do two monthly group coaching calls and they are like an hour to two hours long so I'm really spending the time with you to answer your questions, to coach you where you're meeting roadblocks, to figure out, okay, what is the next step for you? Do we need a blood test? Should we try a food sensitivity elimination diet? What are the supplements that are gonna support you? And then navigating that as you start to take them, what is changing, what is shifting? Are you feeling better? Do we need to reassess? My goal is to have you feeling your best best energy, best mental focus, best like happiness, peace, satisfaction, supporting your body into getting there, into being ready for that so that whatever mental psychological work you have to do to, again, continue to grow and work on yourself, you have the ability to do that. Um, some of us, the physiological is the reason why we are experiencing anxiety, depression, or other mental health stuff. And taking care of the physiological, everything else takes care of itself. So again, just like we've learned, I've repeated a million times, if you have a vitamin deficiency, therapy is not going to meet that need. If you have a gut health issue, antidepressants are not going to meet that need. So how can we help support all of those issues that are contributing or causing our mental health to be off? Um, and how can we make this a life, you know, a life sustainable thing? I don't want you to have to take medication the rest of your life if that's not necessary. If it is, cool, but maybe we can find other natural ways to also support all of the other stuff that you're doing so we can mitigate. Like if you could take less of an antidepressant dosage and have less side effects because you're doing other stuff to support your body in naturally healing, that's awesome. Like who doesn't want that? Who who wants side effects? Nobody. Definitely not. So wherever you're at and whatever your goals are, I'm here to help you meet them. Meet them in ways that are just going to enhance your experience of life so that you can live the best life and do the things that you love to do with the people that you love to do them with 
um, and just feel amazing. You're a warrior and you deserve to feel incredible every single day. So if you're interested, take advantage of the discount. It's about, you have another like 24 hours to take advantage of it. And then the price is going up. So reach out to me with any questions. Saturday, you have a day off. You can catch up on anything that you missed this week. And Sunday, we're all going to meet again on Zoom. And I will email you the time for sure. Um, but look out for the poll because I want to know what time you're available. And then we'll all pick the best time for all of us. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much for your time. Um, if you found this valuable, please send me a message and just let me know what you got out of it. I love, love hearing from you. And thank you again for your time. And I'll see you on Sunday. Bye, everybody.